This is Elvis Andrew of the Texas Ranger, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. This is former Ranger Jeff Fry, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Welcome to Rangers Nation podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now, here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. I'm your host, the Recliner Nerd, and today's episode is T.R. Sullivan. If you have followed the Texas Rangers for any length of time, I've followed them since 1974 as a kid, but... T.R. Sullivan came on the scene in 1989 to be a full-time beat reporter for the Texas Rangers. And T.R. sat down with me. We're going to talk about his life growing up, where he grew up, how he became a sports fan, how he got on with the, as a beat reporter and his travel to doing what he does now. And we're going to do all of that right after this. Hi, this is Rusty Greer, formerly of the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Ranger Nation podcast. All right. Thanks, Rusty, for doing that. Hey, this is a special one for me today, guys. I, I'm not going to lie to you. This one is something I have looked forward to for a long time, and TR finally had the time to sit down. Uh, I sat down with TR yesterday. We spent close to 35 minutes doing this, and uh, he was even surprised. Like, you're going to use all of this? And I was like, he doesn't realize there are people out there that want to hear about TR Sullivan. So here we go. TR Sullivan of MLB.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Rangers Nation's podcast. Today's episode is T.R. Sullivan. And for any of you that my age, I'm 52 years old, and I've followed the Rangers since 74, you know the name T.R. He has been covering the Rangers as far back. In fact, we'll go over that first game. We talked about it one night leaving here. But, T.R., thanks so much for coming on and doing this. My pleasure, John. All right. Okay, so it's real easy. Uh, you come on radio shows all the time. I've heard you on MLB.com. I've seen you, you. When you come on, you're usually talking about what's going on right then with the Rangers or anything pending or something like that. I don't want to do that here. I want to talk about you. So I want to know where were you born and where were you raised? Ah! I was born in Seattle, Washington. My father was a career Army officer. He was in Korea when I was born. Uh, so I was born in Seattle. I was a military brat. I've lived all over this country. All over the country. Yes, I've lived so, in military bases from Hawaii to Massachusetts, from Alabama to Seattle and the Midwest, every section of the country. Okay, so where did you end up going to high school? I went to three high schools. I went to the first one in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Uh, as a freshman and as a sophomore and junior, I went to Carver of Montgomery, Alabama. In my senior year, I graduated from Enterprise, Alabama in southeast Alabama. Okay, so, you know, a lot of people wonder this about sports writers and people that cover it. You're obviously a huge sports fan. Did you play sports growing up? Yeah, I played baseball and basketball and football. I wasn't very good about it, but I, but I played it, obviously. And all the way through high school, too? So. Yes, yes. So, um, so growing up, what was your favorite team growing up? The Boston Red Sox. My dad was from a um, Boston area, Cohasset, a little town south of Boston. So in 1967, I was eight years old. And we we're living in Norfolk, Virginia, mm -hmm. and the Red Sox had finished ninth place the year before. The Impossible Dream. They won the the pennant in 1967, and my dad, and my mom were just thrilled about it. And yeah. and I got caught up in it. And Carl Yastrzemski became my favorite player, and he is still is today. So the summer of '67, and there's a lot of people who that was a very magical year for him. But that was the year in which, in which I fell in love with baseball, and I've been in love with baseball ever since. So moving around the country, 
living at military bases, I never lived in a city that had Major League Baseball because military bases, not many of them are in big cities. A few of them are. But right. So I grew up on minor league baseball. The first minor league team I saw were the Hawaii Islanders. My dad was stationed in Hawaii for three years. So I watched the Hawaii Islanders from 1968 to 1970 going to the games at old Honolulu Stadium. Then we moved to Fort Ord, California, and I went to see the Salinas Packers play down there in the, in, the, in the Monterey Peninsula area where John Steinbeck was. And then when I was in high school and I lived in Montgomery, we saw the Montgomery Rebels who had Alan Trammell, Lou Whitaker, and uh, Lance Parrish, and a lot of, Mark Fitterich, a lot of great young players back then. So basically, John, I grew up on minor league baseball. So when it came to go to college, my dad wanted me to go to a Catholic university. Um, so I wanted to, I just said, I want to go to a city where I can watch Major League Baseball play. So we finally, for a long, long story short, I ended up at the University of San Francisco. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. How'd you end up there? So you're answering that question for me. So basically, because my dad wanted me to go to a Catholic school, and I come from a devout Catholic family, and I, I you know, they had the Oakland A's on one side of the bay and the Giants on the other. So I spent four years going back and forth from the uh, Coliseum <laughs> to Candlestick Park. In Candlestick, in my first baseball game, when my dad was in Fort Ord, my first baseball game was 1971 in the uh, National League Championship Series. Game one, the Pirates and the Giants. Uh, Giants won 5-4. to four. William McCovey hit a monster home run. Mays played in that game. Willie Starger, Roberto Holy Clemente, cow. Gay Gaylord Perry. There were five Hall of Famers in that game, plus Juan Marichal, who, <clears throat> excuse me, who obviously wasn't pitching that day. Perry pitched a complete game for the Giants. Wow. That is a man. That's amazing. I, you know, I'm a. Just, I got lucky enough to grow up here, so I got to go to Ranger games from '74. So it's I, I'm different now. You know, I'm going to ask you this later. Do you, do you cheer for the Rangers? Uh, but I'll bring it now. I mean, I know you you cover the Rangers. I'm different than you guys. I don't have to ask the hard questions. I'm a, a blogger and a podcaster for the Rangers, so I'm a fan growing up. That. Do you, do you find yourself pulling for the team that you're covering? Well, that's a, that's a tough question, and obviously reporters are supposed to be objective, and Absolutely. we're not supposed to cheer for them. And but you get to know these guys. But you get to know these guys. I mean, Rusty Greer, Dean Palmer, I can go back, Bobby Witt, back to the younger days, and you know Elvis Andrews, I have a, uh, a great affinity for Elvis Andrews. Uh, he's been terrific for us. Um, so, you know, you, you like these players. You want to see these players do well. You know, I love Ron Washington. I'm not afraid to say that. I thought yeah. Ron Washington is one of our all-time favorite people. And the simple fact is, you know, especially at MLB.com, the more the Rangers win, the more our traffic. So, so it's better for you. Absolutely. It's benefit, better for you. Better for me. Right. But if the Rangers aren't, are doing bad or doing poorly or something's going wrong, I'm not afraid to write about it. And I'm not afraid exactly. to write about it objectively. And I think I've done that. For 32 years, between I've seen t this team in World Series, and I've seen the dark years of 2000 to 2003 when it was got as bad as it gets. So, you know, I, I my job is to report the news and and provide information and be an honest broker of information to the fans, and bring the game to the fans. That's my job. And if it's bad baseball, if it's a bad team, if it's bad news, that's part of my job. Yeah, and and it's fun to watch you guys work, and mm -hmm. especially because you. You're focused, you're serious, you don't bullshit, and you don't. I mean, when you – don't worry, we're, this is a podcast. We're not going on uh, there, but uh, you don't. And I, I've watched it and seen it. I've talked about it a few times on here. And uh, But I know the guys that love you. Jeff Fry's going hunting with me here in a few weeks, but Jeff said it. he call, – you call him every once in a while to do some little deal you got to fill out. And uh, Rusty Greer was on a couple – those guys. And uh, good guys to like and all of that. Uh, but uh, – 
they talk about TR. Every time we're talking about anything, they, they might bring up TR, OTR, oh, you know, because you would ask, hey, how did you deal with the media and, you know, what was your situation? Well, my, my first job out of the University of San Francisco was at the Denison Herald, and that's up on the Texas-Oklahoma border. And one of the, one of the schools that we, we covered up there, I saw Dennis Robin play at Southeastern State University in Holy Duran, cow. Oklahoma. Yeah. And Jeff Fry played at Duran, Oklahoma. So Jeff Fry, and he came after me. I was already down here in, in uh, Arlington and covering the Rangers. But Jeff Fry's from Southeastern State. So, you know, he's an underdog. He was a 33rd round pick, I think, something like that. Yeah. I, and I came from a little town newspaper, the Denison Herald, that I was very proud of. But I was glad to get out of there and go to work for a big city newspaper like the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. But, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you can't help but root for a guy like Jeff Fry, who's, you know, an underdog like that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So when did you, when you went into college, did you know you wanted to be a sports writer? No, I majored in business. I have a business degree. So what, wh how did you I, decide that? What? Well, long story short, my dad, my dad, after my freshman year, we were sitting back in Alabama and we were sitting in the kitchen. It was, we were sitting in the kitchen, just the two of us, and he, uh, my mom had passed away when I was in high school, so he looked out the window. I remember this vividly. He looked out the window and said, you know, with your knowledge of sports, you should be a sports writer. And it just hit me. So, so when I met, went to the University of San Francisco for my sophomore year, I walked into the school newspaper and said, hey, I'd like to write for the school newspaper. Well, you got to understand, the University of San Francisco, the school newspaper was a weekly, and it was just, it was not one of these com complicated, big university, you, University of Texas, the Daily Text or anything like that. This right. was just a little weekly rag. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the editor said, he didn't have anybody to cover sports. He said, you want to be the sports editor? I said, sure. So I ended up covering sports as a sports editor with absolutely no experience. And my first game I ever covered for the San Francisco Foghorn was a soccer game because the University of San Francisco had a powerhouse soccer team. We had the best soccer program in the nation. They won the national championship that year. So my first game I ever covered as a sports writer was a soccer game between the <laughs> University of San Francisco and Chico State. And true story, before the game started, before I went out to the game, I went to the school library, which was an amazing thing in itself. I went to the school library and read about soccer in Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> so that's what I was Yeah, doing. that wasn't anything, and even for me, and I'm a little younger than you, I, I didn't really grow up on soccer. It, it was kind of, I, I have a little fun bit, though. I did play on a soccer team, and Mean Joe Green was my coach. There you go. And I grew up in the same town with Mean Joe Green's oldest, his children. What school is it? Duncanville, Texas. Oh, Duncanville. That's not a little town. It's a big town. Well, no, it's a big town, but I grew up in Duncanville, Texas. Did I say little town? I didn't mean little town, but I grew up there, and, and uh Mr. Green, what I called him, I met him in kindergarten. Yeah, but I, I, had I, bet no the, I bet the offensive lineman called him Mr. Green, too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, when I met, it was real funny, uh, you know, and, and he, he's an African-American guy living in a, back then, a predominantly white city, and Major came home with me to hang out, and my parents were kind of like, whoa, and then they put two and two together and said, ask him what his dad does. And when I, oh, I mean, it would be like you telling me you're a sports writer, I just went, oh, he plays football. You know, I, I watched the Cowboys. That's all I knew back then. But You probably watched some good sports at Duncanville High School. They were a powerhouse, weren't they? I have. I played football for them and played baseball for them. They were, back when I was there, uh, baseball and girls basketball is always what they were known what for. Year, what year did you graduate? 86. So who was the football coach? Gandy? Gandy was. He was in Dan his. Dan Gandy? Dan Gandy, third year when I was there. See, when I was so at the Denison Herald, I went to work at the Denison Herald from 81 to 85, then I went to the Star-Telegram, from, and from 85 to 89, before I got on the Rangers, I covered high school. So I covered high schools for nine years, and I love covering high school sports. I was well-known 
in high school sports. You know, we had a great bunch of sports writers all over the state covering high school sports. We're all good friends. We go to the uh, state tournaments together. But yeah, I remember Duncanville being a powerhouse back then. It, when when Gandy came in, uh, I was a sophomore. Uh, our freshman year, we had won one game, and hadn't won even come close to a district championship in 25 years. And by the time I was a senior, we were playing for the district championship, and then they won it the next year, and that's when Barry Foster came out of there. And Ray Crockett was a year older. Barry Foster was a year younger. Who was the baseball coach? Baseball coach was Bob Rombach. Rombach. I remember Bob Rombach. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was the coach. So I played for good coaches. I was... We had some great studs there. I was not one of them. I mean, I could play sports. I was athletic, but I was no, by no means the stud on any of the teams. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, okay, you just talked about your first job covering sports, and that was in Dennis. Well, you did. Dennis in Texas. They won the uh, state championship in 1984 football. I remember that. The Yellow Jackets, they sure did. Yeah. I, I used to tr go around and watch games when Duncanville sucked. I would go around and watch other high school games my whole life. My senior year of high school, in fact, and you'll probably remember this, uh, my senior year we got we got beat going out, but the best team that way was Houston Yates, who beat the living crap out of Odessa Permian in the state championship. That was an awesome team. That was one of the that best high awesome school teams team. I've ever it seen. It really was. It really was. It, it, I mean, I think they had 18 kids get Division ones. I think it was a th they beat Permian 37 to nothing. It was, it? it was just, yeah. Oh, it, it was yeah, at Texas State. Melvin Foster. Wasn't Melvin Foster on that team? I believe so. Only thing that, that went to uh, Iowa. Yeah, the only thing Permian had was a wide receiver named Harris. Uh, they ended up going to Baylor, maybe, or I don't know. You know, the Friday Night Lights team. Yes. I went out and covered that. I did a story on. They were going to play Lamar. It might have been the year before. Arlington Lamar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it might have been the year before, but I I know I, I know Gary Gaines pretty well. Yeah. But I remember going out to cover Permian or do a story on them. And I, wa I watched them on the field. And I thought it was the JV. They were so small. I thought it was the JV. Like the, the, the big guy in the in the book. Uh, do you read the book? Yes, I have seen read the, bu I've Miles, read the book. Miles, Booby Miles, was that his yeah, name? Yeah, the, the, the running back. He was the biggest thing out there. Yeah, the biggest guy on the field. He uh -huh. was the biggest thing on, guy on the field. And um, I just couldn't believe how small Permian was. Yeah, they were. It was kind of like the Carroll teams when they first started coming up. They were all small but well coached, and boy, they they did their little assignment. I mean, and ha you know, the biggest lineman on our team was Joe's Joe Green's oldest son, mm -hmm. who was only two hundred and ten pounds. Yeah, okay. That wouldn't even get you hardly oh, on the no, field. That yeah, that I started wide receiver. I wouldn't have got on the field today. I weighed one hundred and thirty <laughs> pounds. Wow. I mean, and well, when you have Barry Foster, I really just blocked downfield a lot. That's all I ever did. So, yeah. um, okay. Now you and I talked about this first game you ever covered for the Texas Rangers. April 4th, 1989, that was pretty special, right? Well, that was the first game officially as I was the beat writer. I'd been, I'd helped cover him. It was kind of like a... But your first full-time Full-term full official was Charlie Huff's three to nothing, beat the Detroit Tigers on opening day. I Battle remember Jack that, uh, Morris. Battle Jack, Jack Morris, yes. I and you that. said that that's still one that, the, that choked you up a little. You're, that I'm, choked I'm me, the, yes. I had, I had a little tear in my eye when I was sitting there for the national anthem realizing that I'd achieved my goal because when I came out of the University of San Francisco my goal was to be a major league baseball beat writer sure that was my goal and I didn't know how I was going to uh, uh, obtain it working at the Denison Herald <laughs> and then fortunately I got a job at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram covering high schools uh, that was about 85 and then 86 I just I just go out there and hang out at the ballpark and run quotes and do whatever they'd ask me to do or do sidebars yeah for about three or four years with Jim Reeves and Paul Hagan and Tony DeMarco all 
close and dear friends of mine. And, and, and so finally in 89, they let me be the, beat, or the backup beat writer. And then in 90 is when I became the full-time beat writer. So or I, I became the number one guy. So you ended up at MLB. You started at Telegram. Have you been Forward at? Forward Star Telegram from 85 to 2005. To, and then to? I went to MLB.com in 06, yeah. In 06. Okay. So that, that's where you were. So um, this is okay. my 32nd year on the Rangers. Yeah, 89 was, yeah, started on the yeah. Rangers. Look, I've read T.R. Sullivan for years. And I've, I, so when I first came here last year and there was TR, I mean, I'm intimidated. I know these guys. I know you guys as a nerd. That's what I call myself, the recliner nerd, as a baseball nerd that, like you, I knew all the minor leagues through the Ranger system. And mm -hmm. I follow baseball. It was always been my love. Maybe it was my dad's love. And so that's what got me involved. Evan Grant and TR Sullivan, their two names, I've read for years, yeah. and I've known for years. And Jamie was somebody I would follow for the yeah. minor league stuff. But Jamie Newberg. Yeah, so when I got to meet you guys and then got to enjoy and meet you guys, I was like, wow, this is really cool. I mean, these are guys that, I, that, that, that I've loved covering or watching for years. So let me ask you this. In all the years that you've done it, what's the player that – do you have a favorite that you've ever covered? Oh, I'd say right now it's Elvis Andrews. I just think the world of Elvis. I think he's just been great for this team and the media and everything. You know, you know, Rusty Greer was great. Bobby Witt, Dean Palmer, uh, Mark McLemore has always been a favorite. Um, I, I mean, I can just go on. Juan Gonzalez. I love Juan Gonzalez. Uh, Pudge, obviously. Did did Juan? He was friendly with Juan, the media. He was Juan. And I had a great relationship. You had a good I relationship. Think, yeah, yeah. He had he had issues with other people, but. But I think the world of Juan Gonzalez. I think the world of and where is he now? I know his kids Puerto are Rico, here. Puerto Rico. He's in Puerto Rico. He's and his kids are here, right? Uh, I believe so, yes. His son played football down at Tarleton State. Yeah, I knew that. Apparently yeah. Juan got, went down there and watched him play. Nobody would even notice who, who he was. Who he was or yeah. anything. Okay, so I, I'm anxious to see if you'll even answer this one. Was there one guy that was the biggest asshole you ever covered? Um, yeah, there's, there's a few of them. And I'll, and I'll tell you this story because this story is funny. <laughs> okay. Okay. Gary Pettis was a big, big pain, a big pain when he came here. Came here as a free agent, got yeah. a three-year deal. He was at the twilight of his career. He wasn't as good as he was with the Angels. Right. I mean, he was really tough to deal with. We hated to deal with him. Yeah. I did not like Gary Pettis, okay? Right. So then Ron Washington gets a job, and Gary Pettis becomes the first base coach right. and first the outfield coach. coach. Yeah. And slowly got to know Gary got to talk to him and he was great he was awesome to talk to loved talking to him very friendly very outgoing and, and it was great so one night we're in minnesota after the game we're in the hotel bar and i told him the story hey you know when you were a player and he just laughed he said yeah i'm sorry <laughs> you know I, it was a bad time for me it wasn't going well and then there was another player who this is another story uh long story short um a guy named mark sullivan who was a backup catch for the red sox <coughs> he once called me a really bad name that begins with mother and yeah ends with something else um, in the Red Sox clubhouse. <coughs> oh, excuse me. And he was a backup catcher back then, and it, it, it was a really bad year for the Red Sox. I think it was 87 when they were going like crap. So anyway, move ahead about seven, eight years, Mark Sullivan becomes a scout for the Rangers. He becomes one of their scouts, and, and I meet him in spring training. He, he does, of course, remember this when he called me that. Right. And we chatted, and we had a great time, and we became big friends. And one night, we're in Chicago, and he says, you want to go out and have dinner after a Saturday day game? So we went out to Lowry's and had dinner, and we talked it up. And I told him that story, that he, <laughs> what he did. And he's, oh, I'm sorry. You know, that was a bad time for me, too. It was funny. But the thing about it, my, my point is, one of the things you have to understand, these players are under a lot of pressure. Yep. 
they're under a lot of pressure. And, and, and I tell people, and I tell, you know, in spring training, everybody's relaxed. They're, it's great to be in spring training. Right. But that's where you got to go to spring training because you get to meet the players. They're relaxed. You know, they're enjoying life. They're much more easy to get along with, to talk to. They're yeah. more open. Once the bell rings and the pressure's on, it's much more difficult. So you got to go to spring training. But these guys are in a lot of pressure. And, and yes, you're going to have run-ins with, you know, I've had run-ins with a lot of guys, but you know, yeah. the funny thing is, after they retired, they become your best friend. You yeah, know, absolutely. Last year, John Blake kept bringing guys up to the press box. Yeah, I was there. Of the, uh, they were coming doing the countdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. come in. Those guys were giving me hugs and everything <laughs> like that. And I'm like, oh my god! I remember you saying maybe it was you that said something about Blaylock was tough to deal with, or someone said Blaylock sometimes was tough to do. It may not have been you. I yeah, can't remember. Yeah, and then we're, we're hugging each other. Yeah, everybody's out. He's just talking and just oh, yeah. yucking like, it up with everybody. Now that when they retired, they become your your new best friend. But that's fine. I understand it. you got to understand that. I told, like one time Ismael Valdez got mad at me and he yelled at me and I, and I you know, I said, Izzy, I'm too old to be intimidated by guys like you. So, <laughs> And then he, he apologized profusely the next day. He says, I'm really sorry. Blah blah blah. And I said, "Don't worry about it, Ismail. That's fine." Well, and I and I've said it to and people that follow me or do that, and they'll complain about a player and say this or that, and why don't you ask this? And I and I'll tell them. I say they'll think someone's an asshole or they'll do that. And I said, "Look, I've watched these guys in there when you've got when you're not. What if someone came to your job every day when you weren't performing well?" and just asked you about it every freaking day. I said, you might get a little bit of an attitude every once in a while. Well, the thing about it is, you think you got to ask, anybody can ask a tough question. Anybody can really come across as an asshole and ask a really tough yep. question. The great reporters, or the good reporters, I'm not a great reporter, but the good reporters are the ones who can get a tough question answered. Right. Okay, you can, you can, you can go up to a guy and say, why do you suck? Yes, exactly. And he'll just say, get lost. Absolutely. He'll, he'll and tell you got nothing. Yep. And he'll, you got nothing. But right. you go up there and talk to them and get the get the answers, then you've done your job. Yeah, and it's it, you know I've never seen I only see what you guys write. Seeing it from this side and you doing it, it's pretty. It's a talent the way you guys work them and the way you talk them and you do that and you get the tough questions asked. And I just sit back and admire. I use it for what I do when I get the little downloads or whatever and do that afterwards. But it's fun to watch y'all work. Okay, now I think you're already going to answer this one, but I asked who was the favorite manager you covered. Are you going with Wash on that one? Or Ron Washington, yes. And we do not call him Wash. His name is Ron Washington. Ron Washington. Yes. And uh, I, a fan's I called think him I, Wash, yeah. I think okay. I've, gotten, I've got, had a great relationship with every Rangers manager. I've, that's one thing I've done well. I've never had a Rangers manager that I had a problem with. I know some people had problems with Bobby Valentine. I know some people had problems with Buck Showalter. And I know people had problems with Jeff Bannister. I did not. I had great respect for them. They, ha they had respect for me. We had a great relationship. Um, I don't think I was ever at anybody's house. Ne was never out drinking with any of them. Right. Um, but so, what differentiates Ron Washington? Was he just always? Was he always in a great mood? Was he just willing to just not? He would just he just went diarrhea mouth. He just answered every question and didn't mind. Was that good or what was it about him that made him that you liked him so much? He he could laugh at himself. Ron Washington could laugh at himself. Ron <laughs> Washington, we we could have fun with Ron. Okay, we used, there used there used to be a player named Warner Madrigal who was yeah. you know, and we used to joke about him all the time. Ron could laugh. Ron didn't take it too seriously. Um, you know, he was just we loved Ron. I mean, yeah. he was 
I mean, we, I like them all. I mean, I right, don't, right. I don't know what different. Ron won was certainly one thing. That was. Yeah. I think Ron. You know, I felt a kinship with Ron. I know what he was going through. You know, he not just his personal issues, but just the fact that he was an African American. Yep. It was tough for Ron, but he, you know, the thing about the thing I respect about the managers, and I've told John Daniels this, those managers are there for us every day, twice a day, for eight months. Right. Okay. There is John. There is no public person. I don't care if you're talking about the president or anybody. I'm not sure there's a more a public person who's more scrutinized on a day-to-day basis and has to do two press conferences a day for eight months than a major league manager. Yep. Those guys, that's why I have so much respect for the managers. I mean, I like John Daniels. I like Tom Grieve, Doug Melvin. I love Doug Melvin. I have great respect for them. But the managers, to me... Yeah, J.D.'s not in front of y'all every day. To me, the managers stand apart just for the fact that they're out there every day answering our questions. Well, and that was one of the big things that surprised me when I first did this was like, wow, you go before the game and you go in his office and you sit there and ask him and pepper him questions. After the game, he steps right up and does it. And I, 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 I figured that out last year. I was like, I didn't realize they did two press conferences. Yeah, can you imagine that? Yeah, the, you know, us as a fan is, that doesn't have media access, they just see every night when he's on – they just see the TV at night after yeah. the game. That's all they see. But, they, you know, he's also doing that with other people, too. I know the managers, I don't know what it's like this year, obviously, but I know the managers have always had a radio show on Sirius. Sure. I know uh, the fan or yep. the ticket yep. have all had the managers on either a weekly radio show. I know the TV stations want them. You know, those guys have a lot of requests. It's just not just you and I. Right. And Evan, it's a broad. Yeah broad market of media that and, are and they answer the, the same question a lot because the tv like last year the tv people would go in before we would ever go in yeah and then so they had to ask all the questions that y'all are about to come right in and ask him too yeah so he you know twice in the before the game he's answering the same question then they do it afterwards the tv people that always then, catch here's him. the funny thing i've learned is it sounds like a joke but it's really not a major league ma- manager does not know how dumb he is until he gets a team into postseason. And the farther he gets into postseason, the dumber he gets. According to, yeah. You get into the World Series, okay? You get in the World Series. Think about this, John. In the World Series, there's 100, 200 media members covering the World Series. Right. Okay? Sure. And a lot of prominent national guys, John... Um, John Morosi and uh, Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal, sure. John Heyman, blah, blah, blah. They're all there. Yeah. They're all there. Okay. They all want to separate themselves. Right. Everybody wants to separate themselves. My goal is to separate myself by having, by breaking news. By right. having, you know, that's my goal. That's how I separate myself. And that's how reporters separate themselves. But a lot of these opinion guys, the, the way they separate themselves is have big opinions. Right. Tom Verducci. And the way they have a big opinion in the baseball postseason is ripping the manager right that is everybody's easy way second guessing every move that happened during the game yeah and, yeah, and all of that every time every after every game the losing manager or even the winning manager but the losing manager will have <laughs> will get crushed by second guessing <laughs> okay so um all right now besides game six that's obvious that's i was at game six i wasn't where you were at game six when they go to the world series what are some of your favorite memories I know Game Six is that your top of your list when you were here for Game Six to go to the World Series. Um, I have a lot of memories. 
Uh, I, I remember stories I've broken, news I've broken. I remember stories I got beat on. It was very painful. I've broken a lot of stories. I've been beat on a lot of stories. I remember, I remember the journalism side better than the game side. Okay, really well, do. tell I me mean, some of those. What, what's, your, what's some of the... I don't really like talking about that. I'll tell you some, some stories. Like one of the stories I like. I'll just tell you one story. I don't like talking about my work, but I did like this one story. In 99, the Rangers had in camp Todd Zeal, Jeff Zimmerman, um, Greg Zahn, and Mike Zywicka. Four guys with the last <laughs> name Z, yeah. So I wrote a big story on that, and I, and I just had so much fun with it because I used every Z word in the dictionary <laughs> to write this story. And and three of the guys, three of the, Zywicka, who I don't know if you remember him, he was um, I, I, he was a minor leaguer. He never made it. I thought he was going to make it, but he didn't. Zywicka, Zahn, and Zerman had fun with the story. They enjoyed it. They had a great zeal. Was not real thrilled about this because he was. Because first of all, it's kind of a ridiculous story. And second of well, all, these were all, he was talking about three minor league players. Zimmerman was not Jeff Zimmerman. Yet. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't the reliever. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, but he did have a great line when I when, I, when we talked about Mike Zywicka, who would have been the last player in the dictionary or in the baseball encyclopedia. The ZY, I guess, right? Yeah, he would have been the last guy I think in the in the um, in the encyclopedia if he'd have made it. It'd been from Hank Aaron to Mike Zywicka. <laughs> But anyway, Zazil <laughs> had the great quote. He says, "Yeah, Zywicka, you gotta, you gotta have a double word score if you play that in Scrabble or something <laughs> like that." So that you know, I love that story. That that's the kind of story I kind of like to do. And then, you know, and then at the turn of the the turn of the millennium in 2000, the Star Telegram did this big project, the Century in Sports, and I did this huge story on a guy named um, Bill Nance, who was the first player ever born in Fort Worth to make it to the major leagues. He made it in like 190. 1901, I think. Right. And I wrote a big, huge story on this guy who'd been dead for 50 years and, and nobody had ever heard of but me. I was like the only guy that ever heard of it. But I did all this research on it and I, I ended up ended up being a pretty good story. That's that's a fascinating story. That that I, I would have never, of course, nobody my age would ever have guessed somebody from 1901. Back then it was so different. They would come purchase your contract from some team and bring you over. Yeah. And there were only, what, 15 teams or 16 teams? 16 teams, yeah. Something like that. Uh, this is one I heard you guys, I kind of asked you guys this last year, and it was so fun to do. Kathy and I love to go travel and go to stadiums, away stadiums, and go see yeah. them. We've been to a lot of them. We love to do that. Covering the games, now you do it You do it from a different perspective. You're in the press box and how it yes. goes. What are your favorite stadiums to visit as a beat? So that's a, great, that's a, big, that's a big thing. Is um, You know, Tampa Bay is nobody's favorite stadium. Right. We talked to Jeff Wilson and I. They have a great clubhouse. The players said that too. Great clubhouse. The press box is really comfortable and re really easy to watch. You know, it's indoors, so we don't have to put up with the Tampa Bay humidity. Right. I love St. Petersburg. Love that town. So, so if you ask me if the Tropicana Field, I love Tropicana Field. Now, Fenway Park is the greatest place to be on the field, like during batting practice. Right. No better place to be than Fenway Park. Absolutely. It's awesome. But the press box is lousy. It's a lousy press box. Well, it's at the 120-year-old stadium. Or well, no, it's just, it's, just, it's just very high up. I mean, the old press box. Was, Higher than this? Uh, no, but it was straight down. It was okay. straight down. It okay. was very hard because you were almost like looking straight down on the field. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Candlestick Park, nobody likes, but I love Candlestick Park because I have fond memories of it. So it was like you alluded to is that the reporters all have different views of press boxes because these are our working conditions. Right. 
Okay, this is where we work. I mean, like ballparks everybody loves, like Wrigley Field is like the worst place to work. It's a terrible place to work. Wrigley Field is not fun to work. Yeah. It's not fun. But you know what, I'll tell you, one thing, John, was Tiger Stadium was a horrible place to work. The old one. The old one. Yeah. The press box was a mile in the air, um, very uncomfortable. The clubhouse was terrible. Nobody liked going to Tiger Stadium. Nobody liked going to Tiger Stadium. Right. And, I, and, I, and I hated it. And I finally I said, you know, this is a famous stadium. Okay, so finally one night I went out and sat in the stands for the first six innings. Because back then the Tigers weren't very good. So I, I could went to two games there. And, and I loved it. I enjoyed it. I said, yeah. wow, this is a great stadium. This is a great experience. So at least I finally got out there and watched a game at Tiger Stadium without the press box. Yeah, and because and we've gone and we've been to Baltimore. We've been to the – I've been to the old Tiger. Haven't been to the new one. Been to the old and the new Yankee. Been to Fenway. You know, we went out to San Francisco a couple years ago to go to the Giants and Oakland. We went out to the Coliseum. Yeah. So what is the worst of all of them to work as a, as a reporter? Wrigley. Wrigley. Wrigley's the worst. Wrigley, I've been Wrigley. to Wrigley, so. Wrigley's the worst place to work. I mean, I, I'm sure it's a national historic, you know, yeah. monument, but it's a terrible place to work. And um, there, are, there are a few other places that are, but I think Wrigley, uh, I mean, Dodger Stadium's, Dodger Stadium's not fun. Dodger Stadium's not fun to work. Really? No, Dodger Stadium's not fun. The press box is small. The elevators are funky doodle. And yeah. the clubhouses are way down the line. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining, but this, this is our job. This is our working exactly. conditions. And sometimes working conditions are just not good. Right. I, I can understand that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I was asking, because I, I did a deal with Fry, Greer, and... Uh, so I had three or four, and we did a life in the big leagues. We talked about all these questions about what it was like to be in the big leagues. For us that wanted to play big leagues and never did, you tell us. I was talking about favorite clubhouses. Tampa Bay was one of their top ones. Yeah, and apparently that's really nice. Apparently they do a really good job. See, a lot of these clubhouse guys really work hard because, yeah. you know, they live off tips. Yep. So I know the Tampa Bay guys provide a lot of services that a lot of other clubs don't. Okay, so we're just going to do a couple questions about the Rangers this year. Coming into it, what what did did you have any thought about? Like for me personally, I said you know this could be one of the top five rotations maybe if this thing all went together the way it planned at the first of the year. Didn't know how the offense would be, but if they if the if the bull or if the rotation did what it could and they made any move, this could be a team possibly that could compete for a wild card team. That's kind of the way I thought. I didn't think that they could beat Houston or they could beat uh, Oakland coming into the thing. Where were you at before this even tried to get well, going? I thought Kluber would be here for a full year. Right. That's what I mean, we are talking did. about a two-time two Cy Young Award winner. Right. I thought Mike Miner would be good. Right. You know, you know, we all know about Mike Miner. Yeah. Um, we thought Jose LeClerc would be here. Right. You know, Elvis. Yes. Chu. Um, you know, Santana. You know, the guy played well last year. But, you know, when, when Kluber went down, that was that was kind of – That was a huge blow. Yeah. And then when Mike Miner started struggling and Lyles, you know, Lyles, you know, he, there was no sure thing there. We know no. that. Gibson's been, been all, as yeah. advertised. Yeah, yeah, because they're number two, second best starter. He's right now, their yes. fourth best starter. But when you lose – when Miner does what Miner did, and we all like Mike Miner. He's a great guy. We have great respect for him. But when Mike Miner goes south like that, and when you lose Kluber after one inning, mm-hmm. those are t- and, and your closer, Jose LeClerc, because if you have LeClerc as your closer, now you got Montero in the eighth and Hernandez in the seventh, plus jo- Joely Rodriguez. Yeah. 
you know, and there's been some other things. You know, Nick Goody was supposed to be a lot better than, you know, he was supposed to be have an impact on right. his bullpen, too. That's been well, and the depth and the rotation, because you were looking at Palumbo, Allard, and, and Burke at the time. He wasn't injured. You had those guys sitting there to come in and be your, if somebody went down, some yeah. decent arms. You got two of them gone injury. Allard hasn't been either as good as we thought no. either. So it, And then injuries on the offensive side haven't helped, and players haven't performed. So um, have you had any surprises this year, That anything besides just injuries? Um, no. Mm-hmm. Um, what a surprise me this year. Um, uh, uh, Jonathan Her- Hernandez has pitched a little bit better than I expected. Um, He's found a I, niche. I'm really disappointed in Odor. I know fans don't like Odor. I really thought Odor was going to do better. I really liked so Odor I. at the end of last year. I liked his demeanor. I liked his personality. I thought he gained a little humility. He gained a little... The last month. Yeah. And in the spring training, he was great. I thought I just saw a different demeanor about him, a different aura, personality, whatever you want to call it, character. And I really thought that that was going to translate on the field. And I think maybe if, if the season hadn't gone into a pandemic, I think it might have been a different story. But it's just okay. tough to watch. The layoff, when you go do the layoff. You know, you know, past few years, I was never a big Odor fan. I kind of was kind of getting old. And I was like, but then I saw him this spring, and I was like, this guy's going to be okay. I think this guy's got it figured out. And I'm really disappointed that that's not. So do you do you think they ought to be buyers or sellers or coming in? Um, I know that J.D.'s kind of played it like he normally does. I would not trade Lance Lynn. I think you can need him next year. Uh, that's I what I thought. I would not trade Lance Lynn. I don't think you can give away Chu. I don't think you can give away Minor. Um, you can't give away Chavez. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anybody would take Todd Frazier or – um, I would not trade Lance Lynn. I would not trade Rafael Montero. That's kind of where I'm at. That's it. Okay, John. Thank you very much for having I me. I appreciate it. it. I'm going to get you to do one plug real quick, though. Just identified T.R. Sullivan with MLB.com, and you're listening to the Ranger Nation podcast. This is T.R. Sullivan with MLB.com, and you're listening to the Ranger Nation podcast. That's all I need. Thank you, sir. That's T.R. Sullivan of MLB.com. We really appreciate DR coming on, and like I say at the end of every one of these and everything I write, nerd out. <laughs>